Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. You know, this, this week, I, I sat with someone and, and talked for, for quite a while. And I got to tell you, I heard some things I didn't want to hear. But I needed to hear. Sometimes we hear things we don't want to hear, but we need to. And, uh, you know, not too long ago, um, well, let me, let me start that one over. Many years ago, uh, before we planted this church, we were planning to plant this church. And I was at morning prayer at, uh, I, if I recall correctly, it was 5 o'clock in the morning that we met for prayer every morning. And, uh, you know, you say, well, Pastor, how did you learn to pray? Well, I learned to pray by listening to one of the best. I learned to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning listening to Pastor David E. My, my pastor and mentor, uh, listened to him pray. The man knew how to pray. And... And that five, getting up at five in the morning and going to, to prayer was well worth it because I was able to hear a man that knew in practice how to, how to do what I could only have learned in, you know, uh, I mean, I could hear teaching on prayer. I could read books on prayer. I could listen to sermons on prayer. But until I actually heard someone do what I had heard talked about, I really couldn't learn what I learned at 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so every morning we'd get up and go to, go to prayer. And uh, as I listened to him, I learned how to pray. But one morning at 5 o'clock, I'm, I'm preparing to, to come to Carlsbad and to plant this church here. I hear the Lord say, if you fail, it will be in the prayer closet. What he was saying, if you fail, it's going to be because you fail in the prayer closet. Because you don't, uh, because you're not doing what you need to do in the prayer closet. And... Just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jason and I were talking, and I told him, I said, I feel like, it, it, you know, I, I said this to our leadership team as we met for prayer this morning, but I, I, I said to them, 
And as I said to him that morning, I said, I feel like I've almost done that. And uh, you say, you feel like you failed? No, I don't feel like I failed, but I feel like I've come close. And what I said to Jason, I said, I refuse to fail. I will not fail. And so what that means is that I've got to make some correction. Like I said, I've heard some things in the last few days and weeks I didn't want to hear uh, because the things I've heard from my friend and mostly from the Lord, the Lord reminded me of the time he told me that. And so the things I've heard from my friend and the things I've heard from the Lord in the last few uh, weeks uh, demanded change, demanded me to change. And uh, so, you know, as long as we just look at ourselves, we can think we're doing pretty good. But when we start looking at ourselves next to what God's called us to do, sometimes it doesn't look so pretty. And, you know, it's, uh, as I told the the leadership team this morning that we're all here, you know, we we come and the, the worship team does their rehearsal and and uh, people get in their places and get, get everything going. And then we all gather together in the foyer at 925, which, by the way, anybody's welcome to join that prayer circle. Uh, you know, if you want to get here at 925, you are more than welcome to join that prayer circle. In fact, we wish you would. But, uh, you know, at, at, at 925, I told the team that was there, I said, um, you know, that, that we got, it's fess up time. It's time, it's time to fess up and, and, and own up and, and say, you know, I hadn't got everything right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a comfortable place to be but it's an important place to be, praise God, because it's there if you listen, if, it's, if it, it's there that if you'll change directions. And my friend said the other day that she said, well, I feel like, I, like we're shifting gears. And I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we're shifting gears. We're this is Vision Sunday. We're talking about the vision, and uh, you know where we're going and what what uh, what God's called us to be. And uh, you know, we've had a vision. We planned a vision, but sometimes we haven't lived up to that vision. You know, uh, sometimes we've gotten a little off of that vision. We've gotten a little in the ditch sometimes, and. Does that mean that we're that this is not a good church? No, that's not what I mean at all. Because a good church makes adjustments. A good church changes. A good church changes along the ways. I, I believe we're a good church. I believe we're a great church. And the the thing that makes us great is the willingness to change. And 
But when you begin to change, you don't just change stuff just for the sake of changing. You change stuff because you know a better way to do it. So we need the Lord to show us the better way to do it, and then we have to be willing to change. Praise God. And change is an ongoing thing. You say, well, is this, you know, uh, we're going to have to change again. Next year, we'll probably have to change again. And the next year, we'll have to change again. Because change is a constant thing. Why? Because the world around us is changing. Because we have to reach a world that is constantly changing and is changing faster now than it's ever changed. And, you know, what was true yesterday, you wake up today and find out it's not true anymore. One thing for sure is God's Word is truth and it is not changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but what that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that your methods always have to stay the same. You know, God is not out of ideas. We're talking about the creator of the universe, and he never ran out of ideas. He, he still has fresh new ideas for us, and we have to be willing to change. And sometimes there, there, sometimes there, are, there are people along the way people in your path that are not willing to change. Well, I can't hold back just because somebody's not willing to change. We've got to go ahead and make the change anyway, and, and it makes me very sad when some people can't change. But what do you do? Well, you bless them, and you say, thank you, Father, for putting them in my life for a time, and thank you for, for them being a, a help to me in getting where I am. Uh, you bless them, but you go on and do what God's given you to do. You change and do what God has told you to change and do. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let me say this, that a few years ago, probably about three years ago, I'm, I'm going to, Yes, I did not look up the time frame on this, but I think it was about three years ago that the Lord began to talk to me about the next move of God. And that is really, you say, well, when is that going to happen? It's happening. It's happening. The next move of God is happening. Now, we're in the early stages of it because this thing's going to be full-blown. But... You know, we're in the early stages of the next move of God. And you say, well, what do you mean the move of God? The next outpouring, the next, you know, the next this, the next that. And, um, you know, if you look back, there is a tendency to think when you start talking about the move of God, there is a tendency among Christians to think that, well, it's going to look like something I'm familiar with. Something I've seen before, something I've heard about, something I've, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there was one of the old revivalists, and I forget which, which one it was. There were several of, of the old revivalists in the early part of the 1900s and late 1800s, 1900s, that, you know, one of them, it was said that he would come into a city on a train 
and it said that the peoples that were in the local bars could not pick their beer glasses up off the table because of the power of God and the anointing of God that was upon this man just as he rolled through on a train in their city. And, you know, and we, we hear about things like that, and we say, well, when is that going to happen again? You know, when is it going to happen that we, that we see the kind of miracles like, uh, you know, like A.A. Allen, and, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, look them up. Look them up. Watch some of their videos. I watched a video of A.A. Allen one time that there was a little boy that had no bones in his arms or legs. And so they just were like jello. And in front of everyone's eyes grew bones in his arms and legs. You could know it because they weren't like jello anymore. In fact, he stood. And, uh, you know, and th this was a video from the 1940s or 50s that, uh, uh, you know, before, it wasn't camera tricks, I'll tell you that. It was the power of God that, and, and we say, well, when are we going to see that kind of stuff again? You know, and when we think of the move of God, we, that's the kind of stuff that we think of, whatever we're familiar with. You know, one of the more recent uh, outpourings of the Spirit of God has come to be known as the laughing revivals, which I think is kind of stupid because it's, you know, they're focused in on completely the wrong thing. Uh, but uh, in, in Florida, there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God, Brownsville, Florida, and people in the congregation would just begin to break out into uncontrollable laughter. Oh, well, I long for those days. I long to see that. I want to, you know, we're looking at something God's done before, and we're thinking that's what's going to happen again. And if we continue to do that, we're going to miss what he's doing now. But I don't want to miss what God's doing now. So I want to know what he's going to do in our day but you see, every one of those moves of God, every one of those outpourings of the Spirit of God look different than the previous one. So if somebody was looking for what happened in the previous one, they missed the one that was going on right then. You know, in the um, 14, I forget the date, uh, but you know who I'm talking about when I say Martin Luther. Everybody knows who Martin Luther was. Well, Martin Luther got a revelation that the just shall live by faith. And he wrote 95 theses and he nailed it on the church door. And he got excommunicated from the church for doing that. But today, everyone who is saved is saved because they learned that the just shall live by faith. Praise God. But the next notable revival or, or outpouring was not about the just shall live by faith. It wasn't about some bold guy nailing something on the church door. But the next one was a black man 
by the name of William Seymour in Los Angeles, California, began to hold meetings at Azusa Street in a, in a place that used to be a stable. And he started holding meetings there, and it is what we call the Pentecostal outpouring. Because prior to that time, I, I don't believe there's ever been a time when a revelation was totally lost. But that revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with tongues was almost a lost thing. And William Seymour began to hold the meetings at Azusa Street, and people would come from all over the world. News reporters would come to see what was going on there. People were receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues, and news reporters would come in, and, and they would come there with the, the intention of exposing him as a fraud. And God would lay them out on the floor, and they would come up speaking with tongues. And so every church in our country, in our, around the world, most of them can trace their roots back to Azusa Street. And so we could say, well, when are we going to see that again? We don't need to see that again. That happened. What God is doing is he's doing a new thing. Now, in um, the 50s, a man by the name of Oral Roberts began pitching a tent and holding healing revivals. And people would come into those healing revivals. And there were others, like uh, I mentioned earlier, A.A. A. Allen and and William Brennan and, and some of the, the men of that day would, would hold these tent meetings and people would come into the tents and God would begin to manifest healing, miraculous healings. I mentioned the one of the little boy with no bones. And, you know, uh, would begin to uh, just great miracles like that. We say, well, when are we going to see that again? We don't need to see that again because God's doing a new thing. Praise God. But you see, the healing revival didn't look like the, like the Azusa Street revival. The Azusa Street revival didn't look like Martin Luther's revival. They, they all look different. Then we begin to come into the 1980s, late 70s, 1980s, and a man by the name of Kenneth E. Hagin came on the scene. And he began to teach us the principles of faith. And we learned about faith. And when we learned about faith, you know, we could we, we learned that you don't believe things because you see them. You believe things because God said them. That was, the, that was the fundamental principle of the word of faith movement that we learned to believe things that didn't make sense to the natural mind. Praise God. And then we came along into the, you know, we, we, we began to move into the 90s and, and into the early 2000s, and we began to see God doing something different. 
he started teaching us that God wants you blessed materially, financially. God wants to supply your needs, your material needs. See, that didn't look like the healing revival. It was something entirely different. We began to see that taking place. And then we came into the latter 2000s, or, you know, uh, 2018, 19, you know, 15. Uh, and, and some men began to rise up. Probably one of the most notable ones that you would recognize the name is Joseph Prince. Begin to preach the grace message. And we begin to embrace the grace message. Praise God. That uh, of God's favor upon you, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus did. And when we begin to embrace that, you know, the. Uh, I was talking to the Lord about that one time, and, and he said this. He said, if you hadn't learned, I said, well, God, why, did, why didn't you reveal this then? Why didn't you teach, teach me this back then? And, and he said, until you learn the principles of faith, you weren't capable of believing grace. Until I learned to believe things that didn't make sense to my mind, I couldn't believe grace. Why? Because grace says... I'm righteous not because of what I did. I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. The grace message began to say things like, uh, you know, like God's favor is upon you all because of what Jesus did. We began to learn that I didn't, we didn't need to try to talk God into doing something. We needed to believe what he already did in Christ. That's what the gospel of grace is all about. And then one day, about three years ago, the Lord said, the next move, and see, I've always been cautious to say, some people have said, well, the last move. No, I'll never say the last move because I don't know if it's the last or not. Maybe, maybe not. But I'll say the next move. Here's what the Lord said. The next move is going to be the love move. Now, Here's the deal. The Bible says faith works by love. So when you learn faith, see, there's a system. There's a method to what God does. There is a method to what he's revealing to the church, and there is a time for it to be, to be released, but he doesn't release it until he's done the, the preliminary stuff. Faith was preliminary to grace. Grace is preliminary to love. Praise God. So God's doing things in a very specific order, and the love move is going to, you know, it's going to be a thing that we begin to learn that, you see, here's the deal. In the charismatic renewal, the charismatic movement, we learn to shout and dance and and, and, you know, speak with tongues and prophesy and words of knowledge. And we learned all that kind of stuff in the charismatic renewal. We, we learned that. And, and I, I am not saying anything. See, here's the, we don't throw out the last move. We build on the last move. 
We don't throw out the last thing that, you know, well, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking with tongues. Well, God's not doing that anymore. We don't throw that out because God brought back something that had been lost and he restored it to the church and he didn't do it just so later he could take it away again. He did it so we could build on it. Praise God. We, we have taught grace and the grace message says that, that God can use unusual people and things. That there are people that we have said, in fact, the Lord said to me one time, he said, uh, don't you ever presume who I can use. I'll use anybody I want to use. And sometimes he uses people that don't look like Christians. Sometimes he uses people that don't talk like Christians. Sometimes he uses people that don't seem to be, you know, and sometimes he uses people that don't even know they're being used. Praise God. Because God can use whoever he wants to use. I remember one time in the Bible, he started using a donkey to send a message to, to Balaam. Donkey started talking. You know, I remember a, a pastor when I was a teenager. I remember him telling a story about when he was in his he was a very he was a young pastor when he was my pastor, but uh, before that he was telling a story about being in a in a service where there was a, uh, the power of God was falling in that service, and he said there was a an infant that was laying on the piano bench. Uh, this was I mean just a tiny baby, and he said that baby began to prophesy. Now, you think about God using whoever he wants to use. This, this kid couldn't even speak yet, and he begins to prophesy. Now, I'm sure that got some people's attention, you know. But God could do whatever he wants to do, and the, this move of God is the love move. Faith works by love. You see, every one of these, if we just stay stuck in a rut... We're not gonna. We're we're not. We're gonna miss the next move of God. You see, if we're stuck in the faith rut, we don't know that faith works by love. And you see, the the prosperity move, it became all about bigger houses and bigger cars and fancier clothes. That wasn't what God intended, but that's what it. That's what happened. The charismatic renewal became all about jan uh, jumping and dancing and shouting. That wasn't what God intended, but that's what happened. See, this love move says, I don't want you healed because I need to be used. I want you healed because God loves you and you need to be healed. And I don't care who ministers healing to you. I don't care how you receive it. There, I, I began to get a very holy discontentment in my heart a few years ago when I began to see that, that much of what was being done in church 
by people that I highly respect, and I still highly respect them. Uh, you know, and, and I won't tell you names because uh, we. First of all, there's a lot of them, and secondly, because that's that's unimportant. But I began to see that ministers, a lot of the stuff they were doing was drawing attention to them. And I'm not even going to say that's what they meant to happen, but I'm saying that's what happened. They didn't, maybe they didn't intend to draw attention to themselves. Now, see, I can be very tolerant of this because I was there. I was that guy. And I began to say, God, I will never draw attention to me again. Help me to never, help me never do that again. Help me to never draw attention to me. I would rather you get healed just sitting in the service as the word of God goes forth. And see, I believe that's where we're coming to. That as the word of God is going forth, that the glory of God begins to sweep across the room and people start getting healed. You know, one of the greatest stories that, that illustrate this point uh, came from a, a, a man named uh, uh, Daniel Kalinda. Daniel Kalinda was the protege of Reinhard Bonnke. And, uh, you know, if you're not familiar, Reinhard Bonnke was a, uh, a man. He, God gave him a vision of a blood-washed Africa. And he began to go into the continent of Africa, all across the continent, and, and, and have big mass outdoor crusades, not even in tents because the tents wouldn't hold the crowds. But, uh, in fact, in, in the year 2000, he did a crusade in Lagos, uh, Africa, and they, they registered on cards so they, they were able to get an accurate count 1.2 million people gave their lives to Jesus in one crusade. But Daniel Kalinda, Reinhard Bunke went uh, a year or so ago, he went to be with the Lord. But before he did that, he turned the ministry over to his protege, Daniel Kalinda. And Daniel Kalinda was sharing on a television talk show one day that he flew into a country um, for a crusade, and he was coming in for the last night of the crusade. He was the speaker for the last night of the crusade. And he said, I got into town. He said, my plane was late. He said, so I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm wore out. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to my hotel, and I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to take a nap. And then I'm going to get up, and I'm going to pray for a little while before I go to the crusade. He said he went into his hotel room. He laid down. He fell sound asleep. Next thing he knew, they were banging on his door saying, we got to go. Time to go to the crusade. And he said, so I jumped up and got dressed as quickly as possible, and out the door we went. And he said, in the car, I was praying, and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry I fell asleep and didn't pray, didn't, didn't have any time to pray. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, do you think that I'm not going to heal people because you didn't pray? See, it wasn't about Daniel Kalenda. It was about what Jesus wanted to do. Praise God. And so he said that he got to the crusade that night, and he was sitting on the platform, and he says, the last night of the crusade, so they're acknowledging people. 
And he said, the man at the, at, at the podium, he's saying, you know, how many are from this country and how many from that country and how far did you travel and, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and they're giving awards to people that have helped make the crusade possible and all this kind of stuff. And he says, and he said, I'm sitting there next to a friend. He said, we're cracking jokes. And he said, all of a sudden I heard a commotion and I wonder he said, I, I, he said, it caught my attention, he said, because it was a familiar sound. And he said, and I look up, and out in the crowd, he said, I see a wheelchair fly up in the air. And he said, then I see some crutches fly up in the air. And then I see more uh, different apparatuses flying up in the air. And he said, God began to sweep through that crowd during the announcements he said, well, I'm sitting on the platform cracking jokes. God is sweeping across that crowd, healing people. And he said, this went on for 45 minutes. He said, the, the announcer at the podium turned around and handed me the microphone, and he said, here, it's yours. He said, I walked up to the podium, and he said, I didn't know what to say. He said, I just stood there and watched this happen for a little bit. And I turned around went back to my seat and sat down. He said, for 45 minutes solid, people are throwing crutches and stretchers and wheelchairs and, and canes and all this kind of stuff up in the air. And he said, finally, it began to, began to settle down. He said, I got up and went back to the podium, and I said, if you were healed by the power of God tonight, if you came in here with on crutches or stretcher, wheelchair, anything like this, he said, and you don't need it anymore. God's healed you. He said, now, I want you to bring it up here, and I want you to throw it up on this stage. And he said, now, here's a disclaimer. You're not getting it back. He said, so if, if you didn't really get healed, don't be throwing it up here. And uh, so he said that people began to come up and throw things. He said, we had a mountain of apparatuses on the platform, people that came in with them that didn't need them anymore. Praise God. But you see, God did all of that even though Daniel Kalinda didn't have any time to pray. Even though uh, it wasn't even the time in the service, nobody had sung a song, nobody had preached a word, nobody had done anything. He said, but uh, God just began to show that he loved people. And you know, nothing on that scale at all, but I preached the gospel to a camera in the studio down here about once a month. It was broadcast into Pakistan. And then I get reports back, usually a couple of weeks later, I get reports back of people that accepted Jesus when we gave the invitation. I get reports back of miraculous healings. And I'm saying things that, that it's, it's stuff that's just amazing to me. The blind eyes opening. Now, here's the one I've, deaf ears opening. Now, I always wonder, could they, did God open the ears so they could hear the word? Or did, you know, how did that happen? I, I've, I've always wondered about that. 
But we've had deaf ears open. We've had tumors disappear. We've had mute speak. We've had all kinds of miraculous healings. People walk that couldn't walk before. I get these reports back that they're happening. I didn't feel any special anointing when I was preaching in that camera. I didn't do anything but just put out the word and say, Jesus is going to heal people, and he does. And, and you know, th this love move, it's not because I need some kind of accolade. It's not because uh, the preacher needs some kind of accolade. It's because Jesus loves people and Jesus wants people healed. Praise God. And I have come to the point, I refuse to draw attention to me. And so I'm going to, on purpose, not draw attention to me. You say, well, Pastor, don't you believe in laying on the hands? Sure, I do. I do believe that. I used to do it all the time. I still do it sometimes. But that's not the only way God can minister healing to people. And if God just heals people while the word of God is going forth, and God just heals people, then, uh, you know, that, that could only be him. That's not me. That's just Jesus. In fact, he's healing some people right now. If you need a healing in your body right now, just say, I claim it. That's mine. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Just receive your healing now in Jesus' name. Praise God. But you see, this love movement, faith works by love. Now, I made some notes, and I haven't even looked at them. But uh, let me hit some high points here because i got to at least do something off of this. And uh, three things in this. Let me read this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He said, if, though I'm speaking with the tongues of men and angels, he said, but if I'm not doing it by love, then I'm just annoying. Anybody ever heard a cymbal solo? You know, we love Josiah, but there was a time when Josiah beat on everything in this church. And Josiah is a tremendous musician, and we love what Josiah does and what he brings to our worship team. We love Josiah. But there was a time I had to say, Josiah, stop beating on stuff. You're tearing stuff up. You know. And, but, you know... He practiced all the time. But you see, if, and, and I got to say, it was annoying. But if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't love, then I have become a symbol solo. I've become annoying. Now, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I 
bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now notice what he's been, he's been talking about, gifts of the Spirit. Back chapters 12, 13, and 14, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He said, though I'm operating in these gifts of the Spirit, though I speak like with, with the tongues of men or of angels, and though, you know, though, I'm, though I'm speaking with tongues is what he's essentially saying there, though I'm speaking with tongues, though I'm giving words of knowledge, though I'm giving prophecies, though I'm doing all these things, if I am not motivated by love, it profits me nothing. Now he goes on and he says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Why? Because we don't know everything. Even by the gifts of the Spirit, we don't know everything. Verse 9, it says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, and, and when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, maybe you heard at some point in your life that that which was perfect was the complete Word of God. That's not what it is. That which is perfect is love. He says, that which, when that which is perfect has come, when love comes, he says, things won't be done in part anymore. The Bible calls, in fact, uh, I, I believe it was, uh, uh, I believe it was the, to the Colossians that Paul was writing, and he called love the bond of perfection. Why? Because Love is the thing that brings all of these things together. And the reason I say that this next move will not look like anything we've seen before is because though we had great healings, though we had great signs and wonders, though we had gifts of the Spirit in manifestation, though we've had all these kinds of things, the, the joy of the Lord breaking out, we've had all these things. Yet when we combine all of these things, this next move is going to be a combination of all of them. But it's going to be bound together in the bond of love. Not because I need attention, but because Jesus needs attention, and we're going to draw attention to Him. Praise God. Praise God. Why does Jesus need attention? Because he has an ego? No, Jesus needs attention because the world needs Jesus. And if we don't draw attention to Jesus, who are they going to how are they going to know they need Jesus? Praise God. But then he says, he, he he goes on, he says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And some said, Well, you know, see, he's saying that all these gifts of the Spirit, tongues, that's going to, that, that's speaking like a child. No, 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 no. What is speaking like a child? Speaking like a child is, he, he, we could say it this way. He said, when I became a man, 
I stopped doing things in a childish manner. I stopped speaking in a childish manner. If you're around children very long, they talk about themselves a lot. They draw attention to themselves a lot. They want, and that's that's a childish thing, okay? But when we become full grown, then we need to stop drawing attention to ourselves and start drawing attention to Jesus. Praise God. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child. I behaved like a child. You know, he, he, he said this, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. He didn't say I stopped speaking, thinking, and, and uh, understanding. He said I stopped doing it like a child. I understood more fully. I thought more mature thoughts. I spoke more mature words, praise God, when I became a man. He says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love is the thing that pulls everything together. It is the bond of perfection. Praise God, and I know I've gone long today, and uh, I started to say I apologize for that, but I'm not going to because it needed to be said. Praise God, and, and actually, you should thank me for not going to the next point. Praise God, because I'm not going to do that, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I believe that God is about to do some things. He's already started. Praise God. We got to be willing to change. Got to be willing to change the way we've done things. And we've got to be willing to point at Jesus and Jesus alone. Praise God. Praise God. No more of this, I did this, I did that, I did, you know. Jesus did. Jesus healed people. If you got healed here this morning, Jesus healed you. I didn't heal you. Jesus healed you. You got healed here this morning. It's because he loves you. Praise God. Praise God. And I love you. But the most important thing is we want to point to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'll do whatever it takes to show you Jesus. Not to show you me but show you Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior today, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching me online, but in any case, Jesus so loved you that he came into this world and he bore your sins, paid for your sins so you could have new life, so you wouldn't have to pay the penalty. The Bible says if you believe that, then you will verbally acknowledge that, what Jesus has done, and verbally acknowledge him as your Lord, you will be saved. He, was, he died for you, he paid for your sins, and he rose again from the dead. And if you believe those three things, praise God, and you'll verbally acknowledge that, 
you will be saved. Let's say this together, everybody. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you came into this world on my behalf. That you went to a cross and you paid the penalty for all of my sins. And then God raised you from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with